Hello, I'm Paul Cuddihy, editor of the Celtic View, and welcome to this week's Celtic View podcast, which comes to you from Celtic Park and Kazakhstan. View reporters Martin Dale and Mark Henderson were with the team for the vital Champions League tie with FC Astana, and we'll hear from them shortly. Later in the podcast, I'll be chatting to Celtic women's manager David Haley about the team's season kicking off again this weekend, and I'll also be chatting to one of the players, Anne Rudmos, partner of Eric Sviachenko, who is back in training after taking time out to have a baby. And we'll hear from writer and broadcaster Jerry McDade, who tells us why Celtic is the team for him. View reporter Mark Henderson sat down for a chat with Moussa Dembele to get his thoughts on life at Celtic, and we'll hear that later in the show. But first up, here's Martin Dale's interview with midfielder Stuart Armstrong. What's kind of changed for you personally since he's arrived? Or has there anything changed for you? I just feel there's a new opportunity here. Um, feeling a lot more positive about you know, the style of play he wants to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, his one-on-one style is, is, is very good. He, he communicates very well with, with the boys. And you know what he wants. So mm-hmm. you know, if you want to play in the team, then you've got to work hard to, to put yourself in there. He seems to have a real kind of tactical flexibility in terms of systems. Yeah. And he always talks about um, it's not so much a system, it's having the right players in the right positions. So do you feel as this is like an opportunity for you to kind of really show how good a player you can be centrally as well as out wide? Yeah, I think naturally I want, always want to play in the middle, but sometimes that's not always possible with personnel and styles and systems. Um, but last year it certainly felt that the system we played was, was very structured and um, I was playing majority of the football on the left, mm-hmm. um, which led to a little bit of frustration. But I think now this year with more flexibility and different um, the way it can be flexible and move, and, um, I think it's something I quite enjoy. Do you think it's improved your game, say last year, you know, kind of forced out left so much and having to adapt really and, and take on um, new skills almost as, as a footballer to like yeah. to hit the byline and stuff like that more often has that helped you in a way? Yeah, I think I've certainly learnt a lot about playing left wide now I understand that position if I'm playing in the middle and somebody else is playing out wide and what their role is and the way they'll move and the way they want to play as well so definitely had some benefits but for me personally I like to be able to be a bit more free and creative and mm-hmm. have that Spend a little bit of time in the middle. He certainly seemed to be the player type of player who does his talking on the pitch as well. Because in the most recent games, when you've had that opportunity, you've really seemed to have seized it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> do you agree? I mean, have you enjoyed your last uh, couple of appearances? Yeah, I have actually. I feel I feel a bit like my former self, and you know, at the start when I came here, and uh, dynamic and fast and moving the ball well. Uh, being creative and attacking that's what I like doing mm. How much of that is mentality feeling positive in general I think yeah I think it's uh, the mental side of it it's a big factor always um, you know if you want to play well and if you're feeling um, like you're enjoying your time and um, you understand the way you can play and how you fit into that I think it's very important you don't seem to be a selfish player either because we were watching against Lincoln the other night they, you were trying like a demon to get shifts here on the score sheet <laughs> <laughs> last 15-20 minutes was, was that a conscious thing? or? Um, well obviously I've spent some time playing with him before and um, keeping the ball quite a lot so I'm used to it and to be honest I was trying to find an angle for my shot but I just wouldn't come <laughs> and he was always lurking on the edge but no he did uh, 
he had a laugh with me after he said thank you for all the passes I gave him but mm-hmm. um, you know if it was on for me to shoot I would have taken it yeah I guess the, the team needs someone like that you know who is creative and co- open up these opportunities with Nadir himself what do you think the chances are for him now under Brendan Rodgers with a fresh start a year in Turkey under his belt I think he's had a great pre-season and he's looking fast and energetic and presses really well he's big and strong and she's always been great at holding up the ball and bringing other players into the game so I think he's been terrific the first four weeks and every time he's come onto the pitch um, he's been great too so I mm-hmm. think he's made a great start and uh, has a lot to offer He seems very eager to impress is that like displayed off the field as well is he quite focused just now? Yeah he is um, he's a type of player that wants to do well and always you know do his best for the team I think his main assets are you know, being that powerful striker mm-hmm. I've also seen him started to wear his socks down slightly as well <laughs> has, he, has he been watching Serie A or something like taking after Totti or has that not been yeah he said that to me the day. I just shoot my head up but I don't know why he's <laughs> don't know why he's got that obsession now he said he I think he just did it once and he played well so he's keep oh, yeah, he's a bit superstitious do you get anything like that any superstitions uh, I was trying to think the other day but I don't actually think Maybe one week I'll do something and then next week I'll completely change I try not to get in the rhythm of superstitions because mm-hmm. it just gets a bit messy. So that was a really positive Stuart Armstrong speaking to the Celtic View up at Lennox Town there. I'm joined by Mark Henderson just now to discuss that interview. Uh, Mark, what have you made about uh, made of Stuart Armstrong's early season performances so far at Celtic under Brendan Rodgers? Well, like you discussed with Stuart Martin, um, really, really encouraging. I think he's looked very impressive so far. Probably playing his more natural position in the centre of the park, and he's been given that license to go and support the attack as well. We saw in the Lincoln game and the Leicester game actually. You know, he he's been afforded that 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 roaming role. You know, he can obviously start in the centre of the midfield, but he's getting up into the box, cutting the ball back from the byline. You know, getting shots in goal, getting crosses in. And I think that's his. That's what he likes doing. He's a dynamic midfielder. He he can do really everything. You know, he can pass, he can shoot, he can tackle, get crosses in. Mm. So I think he's thriving so far, and it, it's great to see. I mean, you can see that smile on his face when he's playing, and uh, you know, it's 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 quite surprising actually that he is so happy, Martin, because why is that? He, Martin? He's been separated obviously from his soulmate Gary Mackay, Stephen. You know the he's moved the the flatmates have split up. Second side are no more. They are they are no more. Um, and now that possibly could be contributing to his happiness. In fact, <laughs> he's not having to listen to Gazzy's guitar playing, which Stu has lambasted on several <laughs> occasions. Yep. So um, so that could be a cause for his uh, satisfaction at Celtic at the moment, Martin. But really great to see. And uh, you know I don't know if you've got a sort of similar. Uh, thoughts as well on, on how Stu started the campaign yeah definitely I think he's looked really lively um, he's always I mean, he is always very happy when you see him up at, at Lennox Town I think he really enjoys being at the club but I think for a footballer so much of your mood can be dictated by how you play on the pitch and for someone like uh, Stuart who spent a fair chunk of 
last season dealing with a kind of niggling back injury uh, which affected his form by his own admittance as well uh, to end the season so positively against Motherwell with a man of the match performance and a goal and then to start this season well as well as he's done I think it's just it's really kind of give him a, a spring in his step and also as you say you take into account the off-field relief of uh, not having uh, Gary McKay Stevens guitar playing going on in the background it just seems to have given him a kind of new lease at life at Celtic. That's that's the kind of thing we've tried to focus on in the interview. But obviously, he talks about a bunch of different things as well. He's this new approach to to playing that he has in a kind of slightly more central area. But I, I don't know what you think about this. But he does touch on how playing so much on the left was a a learning experience for him. It wasn't as if it was something that he disliked doing. Just felt more naturally playing centrally. But hitting the byline and getting crosses in from the left flank is something that he's he's adapted to. Well, I think it just shows the margins of a footballer, Martin, that <laughs> you're saying that Stu's happier on the pitch and playing better because he's not having to listen to Gaz <laughs> playing guitar. <laughs> but, um, yeah, definitely. I think, you know, any player that, you know, has to, you know, has to operate in a different position for a length of time is going to benefit overall, you know, will improve their game. They have mm-hmm. that extra versatility and, you know, Stu will have a better tactical understanding of playing in that side of the pitch. So, and he's the type of guy. You know, he's he's a clever person, and I think he'll take the the experiences and lessons on board and just use it to really develop and, and nurture his talent in the future. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's a he's very positive at the moment, and I think he's also really enjoying life under Brendan. Obviously, everyone's had a clean slate in the team. Mm. I really think he likes the man management of Brendan. You know, I think he. he Alluded to that in the interview. Yeah. Um. He's really, you know, taking that, that on board. He's enjoying training, and you know, obviously there's extensive competition for places in that area of the park. Yeah. Callum McGregor, Nia Baton, Scott Brown, Scott Allen, Stephen Johansson, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. Um. So he knows he's got to stay in the top of his game to stay in that team. Yeah, it's almost as if the manager has laid down the law about what's expected <laughs> I was wondering how you're going to try and get the, the law pun uh, somewhere in, in here Martin but so I, I mean legitimately yeah I think he's he, you know there is a there's stiff competition for the Celtic players in the the centre of the park uh, but over the past couple of matches Stu has showcased his talents and you know showing the manager everything that he's learned over the past uh, year and a half playing at Celtic and you know obviously we talked about his kind of desire to kind of play centrally but Stuart isn't a a selfish player you know where um, he's only concerned about himself or anything in the full interview we kind of go on to talk about how he's always happy as long as the team is doing well and you know although he did play the final game of the season and had such a great game against Motherwell the day that the league was all but won in that match against Hearts at Tynecastle, he came on for four minutes at the end of the game, so he didn't really get a chance to have a say, but he was delighted that the team had won the title, especially a historic fifth uh, SPFL Premiership title in a row. So just kind of gives you a mark of him, but you can see, you can hear the difference really there um, for a player you know, when they're playing well, how it changes their, their mentality and their mood. And definitely talk about team, and of course, he just didn't talk about himself in the interview. Uh, talked in length about Nadir Chiefchi mm-hmm. and you know his possible contribution this season, and uh, you know that Dundee United connection with him, Gaz, and Nadir coming to the club over the past eighteen months or so. Um, you know, I think when when Stu first arrived, obviously he was in great form, full of confidence, scored those two goals against Inter Milan. 
Um, and he, he was saying how Nadir as well has really started the season positively. I think in pre-season everyone saw it, you know, he, mm-hmm. he looked a real threat up front, always made an impact coming off the bench in games he did too. So Scored the first goal under Brendan Rodgers. So. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, that, that's another player that seems to have had a new lease of life in, the, in the, the past couple of weeks. So, you know, hopefully, you know, he can uh, really have a, a positive campaign as well. <laughs> This is the Celtic View Podcast. This is the Celtic View Podcast. This week's Celtic View is out now, and we've got an exclusive interview with new signing Colo Torre. Brendan Rogers tells us why the Ivory Coast internationalist will be a good addition to the Celtic squad. Stuart Armstrong explains why he's loving life under the new regime, and Moussa Dembele looks back on his Paradise debut. We've got a fantastic competition to win tickets for our Champions League clash with FC Astana and former Celt Mark Krosas answers fans' questions. As the Celtic women's team gets set to restart their season, we have an exclusive interview with Anne Rudmoz, partner of Eric Sviatchenko, who looks forward to returning to action after the birth of their son. All this and much, much more, only in the Celtic View, the voice of the champions. Get your copy today in stores or online. Joining us now on the Celtic View podcast is David Haley, the Women's Football and Girls Academy Manager. A grand title, David, but thanks for joining us. Thanks very much for having me. Now, I know the the women's first team, they had a kind of short summer break. You've been back to pre-season this Sunday, a big game against Hibernian. Yep, yep. Um, The Hibs are uh, just above us in the league at the moment, alongside um, Glasgow City. So um, it was always going to be... It was one in the calendar that we'd kind of ticked off as is a very very important game. Um, I think I think it's safe to say that, that both teams need to win the game. Um, so, but we are uh, we're we're very confident. We've got a couple of new signings that have come in that have um, that have been at Celtic before and know what the club's all about and things like that as well. So, um, no, we're we're looking forward to it and the, and the girls have prepared well. In case anybody who's listening doesn't realise, you know the way the women's football set up is now the top two teams in the top division qualify for the Champions League which would be yeah. a big step forward for our team it would it would be huge for our team um, again given where we've been over the last few years and things like that to to make the step up to Champions League football um, so quickly to be honest with you would, would be fantastic for us and would be a huge huge achievement um, obviously we know that's not where where Celtic want to be you know maybe finishing second or anything like that but it certainly would be another step forward for us and and take us into next season where, where we would be challenging for the league. And how has pre-season gone? Have the, have the players been cursing you as you've been putting them through the paces? The, the, I think I think the first week was probably the worst for them. I don't, I don't think they were too sure what to expect. Um, but they, they, came out, they came back in, in good physical shape. It wasn't, you know, they're all proper athletes. It's not as if they're, they're away for, for two and a half weeks and just totally, you know, switch off. They all know... Um, what's at stake when they come back? You know, they know they knew. Obviously, it was a very, very important game against Hibs, so it's not like we could kind of ease into things. Um, so they all came back in good shape, and you know they've worked very, very hard so far. So um, I'm sure they'll be fine come Sunday. You now every week in the Celtic View, we interview one of the, the first team players. This week it's Anne Rudmos, mm-hmm. signed earlier in the season. Obviously, she's had a delay in, in joining up with you because she was pregnant. She's now had her baby. Um, she's now back doing pre-season. How's she fitting into the squad? She's fitted in really well, to be honest with you. I think the girls were a wee bit um, 
nervous of her coming in and, and wasn't, you know, weren't quite sure what to expect, to be honest with you. But she's came in and, and she's done really well so far. I think that she's obviously, again, as I say, she's, she's a proper athlete in terms of she comes in, she's looked after herself in the best way that she can. She's getting a little bit frustrated at things because of what she used to be able to do pre-pregnancy and now what she can do is a little bit different. Um, but she, she's keen, she's eager to try and get it going as, as soon as she possibly can and, and obviously try and get some game time as soon as she can as well. I still think she's a, a little bit away and she knows that herself as well. Um, but hopefully maybe by September roughly we, we should be able to see her getting some game time and, and wearing the hoops. And again, for people who maybe don't know, Anne, she's a partner of Eric Sviachenko, so it was a wee bit of publicity when she signed. But when you actually look at her career back home in Denmark, she, you know, she's a, a footballer of, of high quality in her own, right? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. I mean, she wouldn't have came to the to the women's team otherwise. It's not just a case of just because it's Eric. It was, it was important that she obviously had ability as well, and she certainly does, you know. Uh, under 23 international has played in the top league at, at, in Denmark as well so and you can see that when she's playing as well and training you know you can see there's real quality there very very quick as well um, and, and and I think she will get quicker as as more training sessions go on so um, no but we're looking forward to having her in the team and, and as I say I think maybe mid-September is where you would probably see start to um, get into the team and things like that and to be honest probably by next season you would probably start to see the very very best of her now, as I mentioned, I caught up with her for the Celtic View. Here's a short clip of my telephone interview with Andrew Moss. When was your first training session back then? It was uh, last week on Tuesday. Right. And yeah, it was my, yeah, you know, real football training. Yeah. Otherwise, I've just, yeah, been going to the gym and do my exercises and my running. Who was that, your first? Was it, was it quite a hard session then? <laughs> it was tough. Of course, it was tough. Yeah. We um, it's pre-season, so we ha- we have a lot of running. So it's tough for me, but it's it's the best time for me to get back. So I so I have all the running and so on, so I can be fit faster than otherwise. Had you already? You mentioned that you already been going to the the gym anyway, just to try and keep a level of fitness. Exactly. Yeah. Um. I think I started four weeks after giving birth. I start to go to the gym and do just you know small exercises, and then I. I have built it more and more on, um, and then the few last weeks I have had a personal trainer um, from Celtic that have yeah just gone through all the exercises with me so I could be fit for the preseason. That was good. Was that always your target to, you know, after after having the baby to come back for this preseason? Was that always in your mind that yeah. that's what you wanted yeah, to do? Yeah, that was that was my target, and of course I um, before I had William, I didn't know how the yeah, label would be, um, but it went fine. So after that, oh yeah, I I just knew. Okay, I just need to get started now, and then hopefully I can I can be ready. Is it yeah. something that obviously each individual you know player that, that's maybe had had to take time out of the game to to have a baby? Is it, is it kind of just dependent on yourself when you when you're able to come back? Yeah, I feel that I can come back. Of course, I've been out for nine months, so it's it's a long time. But I feel I feel that my body is 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 good and uh, but it just takes time. I can feel that I have been training now four four times um, last week and then uh, yesterday as well. And I can feel that of course it takes time when you haven't played for nine months. It just it's, yeah, it's not just two weeks and then it's 
it's good. So uh, yeah, so I need a lot of a lot of training and yeah, and I have a lot of, lot of hard work ahead. I guess it's two things. One is your fitness, but also just getting back into to actually playing football. You know, playing with the ball, getting your eye back into yeah, to, to exactly. Playing. And that's what I miss. Also, I'm I'm doing the running a lot because I also need to get back in shape. But it's most uh, yeah the, the touch and the ball um, that I really need to to focus on. Um, but yeah, every training I just need to have many touches as possible, and then it will come yeah quick. I think. Okay, Musa, thanks very much for joining us. I know you've been really busy at Lennox Town today. But we're coming fresh off your competitive home debut at Celtic Park. Can you just tell us what you made of the occasion? Yeah, it was a was a very very good experience. You know, as a as a young kid, you always want to play in front of, of fans like this and, and in the massive club at Celtic. And then for me, it was a was an unbelievable thing. You know, and we, we won the game, we qualified for the Champions League, so so everything was good in that. And you tried really hard to get that that first goal for Celtic. You came close a few times. Yeah, I did. I did. I tried. I tried. But you know, I just have to keep trying, and then and then it will come. You know, as long as the team win, and then and we do everything good, and you know the goals will come. Uh, I have no problem with that. And you received great backing from the Celtic supporters throughout the match too, which must be really uh, encouraging for you. Yeah, it is. It is very encouraging. You know, for me, my first home. Uh, Home game in a competitive game, you know, is uh, to hear the, the the fans singing your name is is something unreal, and and, and I, can't, I can't I can't say what <laughs> what I'm feeling. Um, did the atmosphere you experienced that night compare to anything that you've had in your career so far? Ne- never, never, nowhere near. No one is the best atmosphere I ever I ever played in, and and yeah, nowhere near what I've seen in in England. And does that just make you excited then for the rest of the your Celtic career to experience that that noise on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah, it's something something massive for me. You know, I always like to 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 play in front of fans like this, and 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 yeah, it's a it's a dream to play to play in front of, of fans and to play for Celtic as well. You know, it's a massive club, and and that's why I joined I joined the club. And someone that had a fantastic game uh, against Lincoln was of course your former Fulham teammate. Patrick Roberts, uh, were you surprised by the way he played? No, no, I'm not surprised. You know, I know. To to, I have played with him in a in a youth in a youth team in in the first team at Fulham. You know, I know, I know what he can do, and and that didn't surprise me at all. So, do you think he's just going to get better and better at Celtic? Yeah, yeah, he is. You know, as uh, he's better than last season, I think. You know, he's he's improving. You know, Celtic is a massive club, and and uh, and for us, he's a. He's a, he's a really, really, really big club and, and we want to, to be here to improve and that's what he's doing and, and hopefully he can get better and better and better. And it must be great for a striker to have someone like that in the side who you know is just going to beat players and create chances for you. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Even in, even in Fulham we're playing the same thing. I would just let him with, with three or four players and, and just go in the box and, and wait for the ball to come. Um, is he the best young player that you've played alongside? Uh, the best young player, yeah, he is. He is in. He is in. There was one as well at Fulham, but uh, Emerson Heidman signed for Bournemouth. He was he was good as well. And in England, yeah, he's the he's the best player I've played with. Best young player I've played with. Certainly, at Celtic, he's done. He had a very good end to the season with the club last year. Um, and what really makes him 
hard to play against? Because obviously you must have come up against him in training and played alongside him. What, what makes him such a difficult player to, to face as a, as a defender? Or I think it's his control of the ball. You know, he can uh, he can go right, left at any at any moment, and and he's really sharp. So, so yeah, I think it's change of moves, change of direction, and and control of the ball. That's hard to it's hard to, to take him the ball, and that's why he's doing what he's doing. And he's quite a brave guy as well because he gets a lot of hard challenges and a lot of fouls, but he just gets back up and gets on with it. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing with him. You know, he has always been like this, and and hopefully he continues. So, uh, just finally. Uh, Musa, uh, obviously a massive game, a couple of massive games coming up for the club in the, the Champions League. So, do, do you feel that we're, uh, the team are now beginning to become accustomed to the new manager? Are we getting our fitness there? Do, are you optimistic that we can uh, get through to the next round of the Champions League? Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, as I said, as I always said, if we work hard, you know, it's up to it's up to us. You know, if we if we go there out out there in uh, Kazakhstan and. And we play as a team, we compact and, and we work hard for each other. You know, there's there was no there will be no nothing why we can we can lose the game, you know. I think if we do that we come with a with a lead and and at home it's always, it's always hard to to play against us, you know, with the fans and, and everything. So so you have to go there, work out for the team, work out for each other and then come back with a lead. Okay, Musa, thanks very much for catching up with us uh, here at Lennox Town and all the best for the coming weeks. Thank you. Moussa Dembele talking about his dream of playing in front of Celtic fans on a regular basis. And Martin, it's always interesting and fascinating when you hear a new player come to Celtic and talk about their experience of playing in front of the Celtic supporters. Because I guess it's something that we really take for granted. It's a perfect way to put it, Mark. You, I mean, you, you go to Celtic Park as a fan for years. Most people do that from a, you know, a young age onwards. And then you just don't think what it's like to you know, have that perspective of somebody new coming to it, especially, you know, a, a guy who's kind of coming from English football, which just now he's kind of seen as the be-all and end-all and probably thinks he's maybe seen so many things in the world at just 19, I think he is. Then coming up to Celtic Park and being blown away by the atmosphere against Lincoln. I think it's quite strange as well for a guy like Dembele. You know, he's played youth international football and was a star for Fulham at a really young age but he's having to come and play such massive football matches so early in his career and so early in the season. So I think he's taken all of that and he's stride really well. And I guess that's one of the reasons why he joined Celtic Martin, the fact you know he's playing in these massive matches, he's been elevated straight into the first team, he's playing in front of such passionate and faithful supporters like the Celtic fans. I guess for any player looking to join a club, when they see that at Celtic, it's obviously a massive attraction. And... You know, it was a tremendous atmosphere last week against Lincoln, you know, the first real competitive match at home under Brendan Rodgers and the fans were tremendous throughout and it really spurred the team on, I felt, in the, the opening part of the game where we got those three goals in quick succession and Moussa Dembele himself, I thought, put in a really lively per performance, you know, worked very hard up front mm -hmm. and uh, I think that's, you know, what we've seen from him in every game so far, you can see bring something different to the side. A real physical stature yeah. links well with Lee Griffiths, and uh, you know I think it all goes well for the season ahead up front. Showcased a lot of his talents against uh, Lincoln. Um, I vividly remember the shot that he had. It brought out a fantastic save from Navas in the Lincoln goal, but he basically held off the attentions of uh, two defenders. Then managed to turn them 
and as he slid, he slid as he tried to shoot, but the ball bounced up and he still managed to get a shot, a really good shot on target. Really good movement up front. He always makes space for the ball. I think, you know, with Griffiths spending so much of last season playing up front on his own, he's having to adapt to learn to play with another stri- striker again. But I think once that partnership uh, clicks, it's definitely going to be a fruit- fruitful one for Celtic. And it's going to be different for Lee as well. You know, he's played up front himself uh, for pretty much all of last season, so it's going to be interesting for him to have someone working in tandem with him there. But I think, you know, while, uh, you know, Musa maybe not, he's, he's had a few chances to score yet, but I think you can see from his overall play the real attributes that Brendan Rodgers brought him to Celtic for. You know, not only is he strong, he's got a great touch, but he's also got really good movement as well. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that's not escaped the Celtic fans that have watched them so far too. So, um, you know, a lot of big games coming up for him, but I think he's going to relish it. And as his fitness gets better and better, you're going to see him improve too. You yeah, see, his pace uh, is a, another key attribute that he's got as well. And as you say, his fitness will improve as these games go on, but also his confidence is going to continue to go up. So he's bedding more into the side. He's still a very young guy. I mean, he's still a teenager coming up to a new country, a new team with the massive expectations that come with being a Celtic player. As you say, playing these massive games just now, um, which can dictate so much of the season ahead. He seems to be quite comfortably sort of stepping up to the plate and learning as each game goes on. Um, and I'm sure the sort of motivation that he got from the fans that night a week or so ago uh, against Lincoln will be something that will just continue to spur him on as well. Of course, he's got Paddy Roberts in the team with him as well. Had such a fruitful time with him in uh, London at Fulham. Uh, he kind of talked to you about that as well. What was the kind of vibe you got from him when uh, he was discussing Patrick with you? Well, I think the vibe that everyone that talks about Patrick Roberts at the moment, Martin, just real excitement that he's playing for Celtic because when you have someone like that in the team, um, it just makes such a difference. You know, he can cut open defences. He's got that real uh, cutting edge in the final third, which for any team is vital. You know, you can have lots of possession against teams now. We've, we've saw it at Celtic over many years now that teams, you know, really pack their defences, sit deep, and it can be very hard to break down. You know, Lincoln did it extremely effectively over in Gibraltar, Mm -hmm. and when you've got a player like Patrick, you know, he can really open up defences with his skill, he can go by players, he can attract opposition players to him, creating space for others, and uh, obviously those two have worked very well at Fulham in the past, and, you know, I'm sure it'll be a a partnership that will rekindle in Celtic Park. Yeah, and they kind of Dembele underlined how reliable Roberts is as a player. You know, when you're that striker, you're playing centrally and you can just trust the fact that Roberts is going to at least take on his man sort of nine times out of ten. And as we've seen at Celtic over the past six months, you're kind of same ratio. You're going to get past that guy and either take the shot on or deliver. So it must be good for a striker to know that, you know, somebody like Roberts, who's looked to to be creative for Celtic, excuse me, he isn't going to get downhearted or anything like that if he doesn't beat his man the first time. He's going to keep going and then barely relies on that so you can get in the box and get on the end of chances. This is a Celtic View Podcast. You're listening to the Celtic View Podcast. This is the Celtic View Podcast. This is the Celtic View Podcast. Hello, I'm Paul Cuddihy, editor of the Celtic View, and welcome to this section of the Celtic View podcast entitled Celtic Celtic. That's the team for me. My guest this week is the writer and broadcaster, Jerry McDade. Jerry, thanks for joining us on the View podcast. Always happy to do something for the Celtic View, Paul. 
Now, in this section, my first question to my guests is always, what is your earliest Celtic memory? Mm, my earliest memory would probably be going to my first match, actually. I remember getting into Celtic round about, I mean, I'm, I'm 51 now, so I started liking Celtic and football in general round about 72, 73, and I was conscious of Celtic. I, I vaguely remember the Dixie Dean penalty shootout against Inter Milan. But my, my real earliest memory is of actually going to Celtic Park in 1974. It was a cup game against Motherwell. Uh, it was the first time I'd ever been. Uh, my, my, my father had a friend who went up with one of the buses from Greenock when I, when I lived. And he said, I'll take you up. And we went up to the, to the game. My mother dressed me up in a park in case I caught a cold. And we went round the, the, the south stand, I think, around about that area, around where the cemetery was, and we came up over the, the Celtic end and then suddenly you were towering above and you saw the ground and the goals and I was completely smitten before the team had even come out onto the park because I'd never seen Eden so glorious in all my life and so big and so vast um, and I said they were playing Muller in the cup they drew two each uh, Harry Hood got both goals but they were behind twice I remember that uh, I remember making a comment to some boy standing beside me I was trying to give him a bit of my Celtic knowledge that I thought Alistair Hunter looked particularly fidgety during the game and he pointed out to me it was Dennis Conaghan <laughs> so I thought I better shut my mouth here um, just sounds like one of your commentaries for it does actually get the wrong get the wrong player all the time you know um, but it was a tremendous experience and I, I think that that would certainly be my earliest memory I was talking to my nephew he's about uh, 10, 11 and he's a big Liverpool supporter and somehow because it's impossible to get tickets but we got him tickets for Liverpool, Leicester and Boxing Day last year and I remember talking to him about the experience afterwards and it's the exact same experience. You've seen it on television, you know it all, but suddenly to be there and see the ground, to see, and I knew he would support Liverpool now till he dies and that's the way I felt with Celtic because it made such an impression on me that day, that game, and, and then the hoops running out and then actually seeing Jock's team because I knew he was a god. You know, So that, that would be my earliest memory. And in terms of at that particular time, um, you're just a young guy supporting Celtic, who would have been your... Celtic hero growing up? Well, I just missed the Lions. I really did. I mean, I love Jimmy Johnson, but the truth of it is Jimmy was pretty close to the end of his career uh, by the time I really started getting into Celtic. And for me, there was only one God, and that, that was Kenny Nobush. Just everything. I mean, it's the cliche of cliches, but he was the king. He was. He, he could do absolutely no wrong in, in my eyes. He could score goals. He brought players into the, the, the fray. Um, he was just, to me, the, the, the perfect all-round footballer. And Kenny Douglas was just, just my hero. When he left for Liverpool, I, you know, you and I have talked about this and I put it in the Supersonic 70s book. Um, he left for Liverpool one week and then Elvis died the next week and I just didn't want to go back to school because I, I, couldn't, I couldn't handle the loss of two big icons. But I think Douglas leaving, if you ask any supporters of around my age, that was a real iconic moment in, in your Celtic supporting career. Cause I think if we'd lost any player other than Douglas... Um, we might have, you know, the season after that was Jockstein's last, but uh, I mean, he, he was King Kenny for a reason. He was the absolute best player. I was delighted he did so well for Liverpool, um, but I've always regretted that we didn't get a couple more seasons out because I actually think if he had been fit, that Jockstein was forming a team from that, that 76 77 with Pat Stanton and dare I say even Alfie Conn and Joe Craig and Ronnie Glavin, all these guys. I think they would have given a really good account of themselves in Europe and, and perhaps gone all the way, you know. Now you mentioned it might be the lines would be the answer to this, but one of the questions I always like to ask people is if you get a chance to go back in time, 
because of the one particular Celtic player you you wish you could have seen in his prime. Yeah, and for two reasons, uh, would be Jimmy McGrory, you know, and the first reason is he's the top goal scorer. Uh, I'd love to have seen how good he was and how he coped in that kind of environment with heavy boots and the heavy ball. The second reason, which maybe should be the first reason, is I'm related to him uh, through my grandfather. My grandfather was um, Jimmy McGrory's cousin. He used to tell me this back in the day and I never ever believed him. Never believed him because he would tell all these tall stories. And then my grandfather passed away in 1977 and I kept looking for Jimmy McGrory at the funeral but he never turned up. And then Jimmy McGrory passed five years later. Now I'd only ever seen photographs of Jimmy McGrory as a young man. I only equated my grandfather as an old man. But when I saw photographs of Jimmy McGrory in his late years, my God, he could have been my grandfather's brother. You know, so I was always brought up on that. And I always thought I'd love to have seen Jimmy McGrory play for Celtic and just to go into particularly the you know, the game where he scored eight goals. I mean anything like that. Just the bullet headers that he scored. He, he just he must have been an absolutely phenomenal player. It's a diff- that's a difficult question because there are so, there have been so many great players in their history. Probably an even more difficult question to any Celtic fan is is there a favourite game that you've been to? That I've actually been to? Ooh, so many really, you know. Um, I think for sheer excitement and the feeling that I was experiencing something that Celtic supporters had experienced under Jock Steen, I would say the Real Madrid game in 1980 was just about the most exciting. I've been to cup finals, I've, I've been to league victories and what, and what have you. But there was something about that night that captured for me what it must have been like when Celtic were in their pomp. You know, They were up against one of the biggest teams in the world. I don't care what the official attendance was, stick another 20,000 onto that, because we were packed in like sardines. And the atmosphere was absolutely unbelievable. And of course, nobody expected Celtic to get a result, but we get, we get, we get two goals that night from George McCluskey and uh, Johnny Dewar. Should have had a third. Uh, George had one ruled out for offside. Um, but I remember thinking at the time it was the most surreal experience. It was almost like I was living in the past. This is what Celtic must have been like back when Monkles were all going to the you know the Benfica games and you know all these big games that they went to. Celtic Park, and it's still the, it's still the case, Paul. Celtic Park under the floodlights on a European occasion is just the biggest ever thing, and that that game for me just outstanding in my memory. And finally, um, obviously, there's a lot of heroes that everybody has grown up or even to this day, but is there a, a much maligned or an underappreciated Celtic player that you would like to come to the defence of? There's loads, I think, to be honest. I think um, from my era, when I've looked back to, to you know, possibly Dixie Deans, most certainly Paul Wilson. Paul Wilson was a, a tremendous player. I loved Ronnie Glavin. I thought Ronnie Glavin was a great Celtic player. But if I had to choose one that I felt has been maybe not recognised the way he should have, then I would have to say George McCluskey. I was a huge George McCluskey fan. Back in the day, I was never really a guy to go and ask for, for autographs of players, but I bumped into George McCluskey about 10, 12 years ago at a function and asked him t- to sign something for me because I said, I always felt you were one of the most underrated players at Celtic Park, and he thanked me for it, which was quite nice. And I've worked with George since, so I know he's a great guy, but I remember back at the time, you know, he, he was the hero and one of the heroes in the, the night 10 men won the league. Um, I hold him responsible for winning Celtic the league in 1982 and, and doing the first consecutive two in a row they'd done since uh, way back in Jock Steen era because he scored two vital goals against St Man when we were really up against it. And he was the top goal scorer that season because Frank McGarvey and Charlie Nicholas both broke their legs. Uh, he scored that goal, albeit an off Danny McGrain in 1980 in the Scottish Cup final. And of course, the Ajax goal in 1982. 
I, I was really, really sorry to see George leave Celtic. Um, I don't know what the ins and outs of that were, but to me, I, th- I thought he was a tremendous player. So gifted, he had a great shot, he had great feet, he played for Scotland under-15s at Wembley. and He had it all for me, he had all the package. Um, possibly he didn't score enough goals and maybe that was the reason he didn't get the chances, but the goals he scored were all belters. And he scored that night, of course, against Real Madrid, which I remember candidly. Yeah, a great player and a, and a great Celtic man. Yeah, that helps as well for me. You know, I, I know in this era we live in, you know, you've got so many different players coming to your club and you and I both know this isn't the Celtic that, that we knew it went once upon a time. Nothing wrong with that, that's that's progress and that's how it is. But yeah, I always feel if you're if you're pulling on the, the strip for any club, in fairness, you want them to have some kind of emotional attachment to the club and you can't deny the pedigree and emotional attachment that George McCluskey had for Celtic and still continues to have to this day. That's great, Jerry. Thanks very much for joining us on the Celtic View podcast and join us again next time for Another fan who tell us his memories in Celtic, Celtic, that's the team for me. So that's all for this week's Celtic View podcast. Thanks for listening and remember you can get in touch with us via email celticview at celticfc.co.uk or through our Twitter feed at Celtic View. Until next time, hail hail. Hail hail.